Turn, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. If you have um, a Bible on you, if you've got a phone on you, your Bible might be on your phone. If it's not on your phone and you haven't got a Bible, get it on your phone. Um, We're looking this month at uh, Jesus. It's a great subject and uh, much more than a subject. Today we're looking at Jesus the Saviour and a brilliant passage here. Um, Let me ask you, we're at the beginning of a new decade, 2020. Where were you this Sunday 10 years ago? Where were you? I would say... Some of us were in Bridge Street. Some of us were in Bridge Street. Maybe we were. Maybe we weren't. Because 10 years ago, Britain had the the worst snowfall for 30 years. So if I can remember right, I think we didn't have church that morning. We couldn't get down. Well, there's a few of us down there, but um, we we couldn't get it done. So BCC was Bridge Street 10 years ago. Gordon Brown was Prime Minister. Not for very long. Pastor Andy Lancaster tells me Lady Gaga was at number one, but I wouldn't know that. (laughs) Chelsea were top of the league. Times have changed now, though. (laughs) Apple launched the iPad. We've only had iPads for ten years. Do you remember 33 Chilean miners were trapped down a mine? And um, they they were drilling down to try and get to them. There's a brilliant little piece on the Alpha video about how the Chilean miners got together. And every single day at 12 o'clock midday, they all got together and prayed. And they prayed every single day for God to keep them. And it helped them through. It helped them ration the food. It helped them just not panic and all the the mental health problems that could have occurred. Uh, They really, really did a fantastic job. And when they finally broke through... And sent a little cage down. Before the very first man got in that cage to escape. They all congregated again and prayed. And thanked God for helping them. And they all escaped. That was ten years ago. The volcano in Iceland erupted. And uh, disrupted 14,000 flights across the northern hemisphere. That was ten years ago. And do you know what? Ten years ago, we'd never heard of the word Brexit. Wow. But what does the next 10 years have in store for us? Where will we be in 10 years' time? Who knows? My prayer is that if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you can't say for sure, hand on heart, that he saved you from your sins, I pray that you will. And not just wait for 10 years' time, but you will start this new decade having a relationship with Jesus, coming to him as your Lord and Saviour. If you have that relationship with him and you would call yourself a Christian, I pray that that relationship would grow and deepen and become more than a relationship. We have relationships with lots of people, don't we? But we only have friendships with a a handful. I pray that your relationship with Jesus would be one that is so, so intimate. It would become a friendship. And a real, real strong bond. So we're focusing on Jesus this month. Pastor Andy will speak about Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Pastor Dave will speak about Jesus, the healer. Pastor Cameron will will speak about Jesus, 
the coming king. And so if the, the guys would show that first slide. Today, we're looking at Jesus, the Saviour. You got that slide? Yeah, great. He's an amazing Saviour. He's a loving Saviour. He's a merciful Saviour. I'll think of some more if I can get the slide up, but anyway... <laughs> Great. Let me show you the second slide. So this is obviously me, a bit younger, seven years younger actually, with my friend called Dharma. Now Dharma's an amazing person. He's, uh, he's a pastor of a church in Nepal. And uh, when I first went out there about ten years ago, uh, we knew him as Dancing Dharma. Because whenever there was a meeting... No matter how big, how small, in those little makeshift little churches that they build out in Nepal, as soon as the music started, or even if there was no music, Dharma would be up dancing before the Lord. He always has that smile on his face. Uh, wonderful man, wonderful man. That's his little lad. His little, little lad called Yabesh. And Yabesh has got a, an interesting story. Because one day Dharma's wife was... Uh, was near the river and she was walking by and there was a bit of a commotion by the river and there was quite a crowd and they were stood at the banks of the river and, um, and they were pulling out this, this sack that they caught that was flowing down the river and in this sack were two baby boys twin brothers Yabesh who survived and his baby brother who sadly died or maybe was dead when they found him but they, they rescued Yabesh. And in that crowd and the commotion, they didn't really know what to do. But Dharma's wife knew what to do. They didn't know where or how far downstream they'd come. So they took him home. And even though they tried to find who, who the parents were, they never found out who the parents were. So they brought him into their home. And they adopted him. And they brought him up. And the next slide. This is Yabesh. He's ten. And I don't know whether that's a river that they rescued him out of. It'd be, uh, it'd be interesting if it, if it was. But he's saved. He's ten years later. He's saved. He's saved from death. And he's saved to life. And he's living life now. He's enjoying life. He's growing up. And if he's in the household of a pastor and wife, well, he'll find out about Jesus. And I pray that he grows up to be a fine young man of God. And he gets to know Jesus as his loving friend. But how different his life could have been ten years ago if he'd have been left to, to go down that river in that sack. Now bearing in mind this little story, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to follow it because we're going to look in quite a bit of detail at what Paul says to the Ephesians about what we were once, what we were saved from... And what we're saved to. And um, we just have the lights up a little bit so people can see, uh, see what they're reading. That'd be great, fellas. Thank you. So Ephesians 2 verse, verse 1 says this. Pastor Steve quoted this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. 
the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. And shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. Paul tells us in the, in the chapter previous to this chapter, in chapter 1 verse 4, that God chose us even before he began creating the world. Now that it just blows your mind that God knew us, that God's heart was for us, that he chose us even before he, he started to create and design this wonderful world. It says that he, he had this plan and it was for his great pleasure. It brought him pleasure to think of us. But it tells us here that something's happened along that journey. And here we are. It says here at the beginning of chapter 2 that now it's telling us, but once we were dead, powerless to do anything, unable to come alive. When you're dead, you're unable to come alive, of course. You're physically dead. You can't move. You can't breathe. All life has gone from you. Well, Paul is talking here also about spiritual death. If you're spiritually dead, you can't revive yourself. Your spirit is dead. You can do nothing about it. Only God can do something about it. He's describing our spiritual state. We're dead. Spiritually unable to lift ourselves out of it. It says, doomed forever in some translations. Doomed forever. Why? It explains because of our many sins. Because of our many sins, we're dead. We're doomed forever if we remain in that. The book of Romans Chapter 3, verse 23 tells us, all of us have sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. And if we're honest, it's so true. We all sin. Because we all have a sin problem. Humanity is broken. Adam and Eve, back in Genesis 1, we see that they, they chose not to obey God. They chose to rebel and, and do their own thing. And therefore, original sin entered this world. And it's been inherited by the rest of humanity since. And we see it, and we have it, and we know it. That inner compulsion 
To ignore God and to live our own way. To make our own rebellious choices. If you think about the story of Yabesh, really what we're like, we're bound up in that sack of sin. There's nothing we can do about it. We're bound up in it. It's our life, it's our world. We're there trapped in that, in that sack of sin. Verse 2 says this, we live like everyone else, doing our own thing. Actually, doing our own thing, but really, the Bible says, obeying Satan. If we're not obeying God, there's only one other alternative, we're obeying Satan. We're following what he wants us to do, whether we know it or not. We're refusing to obey God. So we're following the passions and desires of our evil nature, it goes on to explain. Colossians 2.13 says, you were dead because of your sins and selfish nature. And so back to that picture of Yabesh. We're bound up in that sack of sin and we're being swept down the river. That river of self and Satan. To a certain death. That's where we were going. Our original sin was inherited. Our own sins as a result of that bound us. And we were being swept along. Powerless to do anything about it. Verse 3 tells us that we were under God's anger as a result. Obviously, if we are living opposite, rebellious, unholy, self-oriented lives to what a, a loving, holy, righteous God intended us to live, then the NIV says we're, we're deserving of his anger. We're deserving of his wrath. And you can imagine this loving, holy, righteous God creating this perfect world. This world where he wants his children to grow up in. And he gives them this world to grow up in and to, and to live. And straight away, they choose their own way. You can imagine how God felt, how God, the anger, the burning, the burning wrath towards that. You can imagine how frustrated he was, more than that. But verse 4 says... And this is the whole bit. But God is so rich in mercy. And because he loved us so very much, he made us alive in Christ. When we were powerless to do anything about it, Paul, remember how Paul tells us that God chose us before the creation of the world. But such is his love for us, he came to our rescue. When we were drowning in that sack of sin, when we, when we were being swept along by self and Satan, he plunged into our world. He dived into that, that river of sin and shame. We've just celebrated Christmas. Probably all the decorations have been put away. I've not put all our decorations away. I've left a bit of bunting out. I forgot about it. But anyway. Maybe you've put Christmas away. Let me encourage you. Don't put Jesus away. Don't put Jesus away. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus plunging into our world as a baby, growing up as a man. John chapter 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He came into our sinful, stinking world. The rivers in Nepal are not clean at all. They're not clean at all. They're open sewers. They're where all the garbage goes. In fact, there's one river... The Bagmati in Kathmandu, you drive over it and it's such a wide river, it's, it just reeks of vomit. Absolutely awful. 
But that was our world. That's a picture of our world. The sin that so tainted our world. And yet Jesus came into our world. He was prepared to come into our world. Romans 5 verse 6 says, While we were utterly helpless, still sinners, Christ came at just the right time to die for us. Such was the torrent of sin that Jesus gave his life on the cross. He died to save us. But he resurrected back to life in order that we too might be raised. If you love someone, you show them. Jesus showed us his love by coming to this world to rescue us. Verse 5 says this, It's by grace you have been saved. Only by God's special favour. It's an old acronym, but it's a good acronym. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus expended his life so that we could experience God's riches. That's grace. 1 John 4.10 says, says this. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. So Jesus is our saviour. He saved us from so much. He saved us from sin. He saved us from our selfish nature. He saved us from Satan. He saved us from God's righteous anger. So what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Three things. Well, what it means is all our sins are forgiven. If you're going to the senior lunch after this, I can explain it like this. Your slate is wiped clean. If you're a bit younger than that, all your history is deleted. God's wiped it all out. God's binned it. Jesus uses the term born again. You're born again. You've given a a fresh start. He's made you anew. So all our sins are forgiven. That's what being saved means. Two, it says that we are raised. We are raised to be with him. Made alive in Jesus. We were dead. We were unaware of him. Now we're brought into relationship with him. Adopted into his family. Like that little boy on the screen. Adopted, rescued and adopted. Adopted into a family. Loved. Called God's children. But also it says here that we are seated in heavenly realms. In other words, our eternity is secure. We're seated in heaven. Our names are written in that Lamb's Book of Life. Nothing can separate us from that. That's what we've been saved from. Let me invite you to reflect on that for a moment. Let me ask you to think, is Jesus my saviour? Is Jesus really my saviour? Are you like the woman that I read about right at the very beginning of our gathering together this morning? Are you so aware of your sin and your need for forgiveness? Are you desperate for that assurance That you have got a hope in in heaven. That your name is written down. That you're not going to be forgotten about and abandoned. You need forgiveness. Let me invite you right now. Right now. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Believe that Jesus is the way to, to the Father. Begin this new life 
with him. Begin to live for him and not be swept along by your own evil desires. You can do that right now. Let me invite you. Maybe you want to do that right now. If you do, God God hears the prayer of your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows that you need forgiveness. He hears that cry. If it's genuine and sincere. If you want to make that step this morning, you can raise your hand right now and say, Lord, that's me. I'm there. I want your forgiveness. I want you to know you as my saviour. I want to be saved from all that stuff. And I want to come into a relationship with you. If that's you this morning, raise your hand right now. Our ushers will come and put a booklet in your hand. That booklet will help you on your journey with God. Thank you. Somebody over here. Maybe you're sat there right now wrestling with that. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not right, right, ready right now. Let me tell you, you cannot begin a new decade without Jesus. Not just a new year. Don't begin this new decade without Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Put your hand up right now. You'll get that booklet. It'll help you start. Come and see me afterwards. You can be on the new life course next week. Learning about Jesus and this new world. That's what we've been saved from. As I continue to preach, if you want to put your hand up, I know you'll put that book in your hand. But let me tell you what we've been saved to. Because Jesus is our saviour and he's saved us from things, but he's also saved us to things as well. Like Yabesh, he was saved from that river, but he was saved from death. And he was saved to life. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Paul reminds us that salvation is not in any way Due to our, our good works. It's not about us getting the reward or getting the credit for our goodness. So many people are clinging on to that, that feeble hope. Well, well, I've tried to be a good person. And even as they're saying that, they're aware of the evil thoughts that they've had. Perhaps the, the wrong words that they've spoken or spoken about someone else. Or the not so good things that they've been involved in. And they're so aware of their own sin. Trying to be a good person is not where it's at. As the Bible says, all of us have sinned. But verse 10 says, if you acknowledge Jesus as your saviour, you are God's masterpiece. He's created you anew. You're born again. You're saved to that, this new life. To the good things that he has got. For you to do. Not we want, what we want to do in our own selfish way of life. But what he wants us to do. And what, we, he, what he wants us to do is far more fulfilling. Far more rewarding. So here's three things that he saved us to. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says this. He has saved us to be imitators of God. To follow God's example in everything. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he's continuing from this chapter here that we're reading from. In Ephesians 5 he says, Be filled with love, 
Be the opposite of selfish. Be self-sacrificing. Just as Jesus was. Follow his example. Be imitators of him. He goes on to instruct us. To be pure. Both in motive and in conduct and practice. Be sexually pure. Do not be greedy in any way. But be thankful. Be thankful for all that God has done. And live a life out of thankfulness. Like that young boy. Rescued in the photograph. He's gone to that river. And I'm imagining he's reminding himself of what he's saved from. And he's thankful. But he's responding and saying, I'm saved to life. I want to go on and live that life. And live God's life. So we're saved to be imitators of God. Second thing is, we're saved to inherit. We're adopted into God's family. He is now our father. We're now heirs. Equal to Jesus, co-heirs with the Son. We've now got an open door to all that God wants us to have. Throughout the Old Testament and into the New, God promises his people so many things. He promises fruitfulness. He promises hope. He promises peace. He promises expansion. He's now saved us to all this. Ephesians 2, 11 continues. Don't forget. That you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Who were proud of their circumcision. Even though it only affected their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 18. Now all of us. All of us. Jew, Gentile. We all come to the Father. Through the Son. Through that same Holy Spirit. Because of what Christ has done for us. So we're saved to inherit the promises of God. That's what we're saved to. And those promises bring life. And hope. And joy. And thirdly, we're saved to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit of God. To walk in that Spirit and learn and be obedient to that Spirit. And to share God's love and God's hope and God's peace around. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk on wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. Out of this Holy Spirit filled new life, we serve and we worship and we please him as children living our lives for our Father. So what's our response to all this? We're saved from all that stuff. We're saved to the wonderful life of inheritance and and the Spirit. It's all ours to inherit. Let me ask you to reflect again. You might have begun your journey with God. You might have come into relationship with Jesus. You might have walked with him for quite some time. But you've never fully understood what it is. What you're saved to. What you're walking into. This inheritance. Let me remind you. The devil wants to steal it away. He wants to thwart you as you press in. He wants to destroy that hope that's in you. God the Father wants it to grow in you. 
He wants you, his children, to, to hunger for more. And to experience the fulfillment of it. Ephesians 3.14 says this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees. And I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ Jesus will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all of God, all as God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great for you to fully understand, then you will come and you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you want more of that. Maybe you want to begin this new decade pressing into that and saying, Lord, I want to grow in all that. Thank you for saving me from all that stuff. But I know now you're saving me too. Some wonderful, wonderful stuff. Maybe you would like prayer to grow in your discipleship this morning. You can come. You can come for prayer. The prayer team will be available here as we begin the, the worship right now. You can come and you can be prayed for. As you grow in your discipleship this morning, you want to be better disciples of God and be imitators of Him. And you need, you need that touch from God. You come and you be prayed for this morning. Maybe, maybe you want, you want someone to prophesy over you about your inheritance. About that, that wonderful inheritance, the promises that God has given you in your life. Maybe you want to come this morning and be prayed for and say, God's promised this in my life. I've not seen it come through yet, but I really want to stand with somebody and pray. And maybe they'll prophesy over you this morning. Maybe you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can be imitators of Him. If you want that, you come and you be prayed for right now. Don't start this decade without him. Start this decade right. As we sing, you come for prayer. Jesus is our wonderful, almighty saviour. We've been saved from sin and self and Satan and God's righteous anger and we've been, and we've been saved to follow God, to inherit his promises, to be filled with his wonderful Holy Spirit. Let's stand. Let's sing praises to him. And if you want prayer, you come forward and you be prayed for. Let's start this decade right pressing into him. God bless you as you come. Thank you.